0: Screen Time
1: with John Fardy. This is News Talk.
0: Hello and welcome to Screen Time. I'm John Fardy, and this is News Talk's TV and movie show. This week on the show, I chat to Line of Duty, and Game of Thrones star Owen Teal about his sweet new movie, Dream Horse. The cinemas reopened next week and Mark Ryle and I were both at the cinema this week and you'll hear our reviews of A Quiet Place 2 and Robin Wright's directorial debut, Land. Plus comedian and communications guru Alan Short on his favourite movie. I'm open on Twitter, John underscore Farty where you can email me, screentime at newstalk.com This show is available as a podcast every Friday at 5pm on newstalk.com or the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud and it's on the radio every Saturday at 6pm right here on News Talk. Good weekend to you all. I'm in buoyant form, as you heard there, because the cinemas are opening again on Monday. And I was back in the cinema for the first time in, I think, since last August. So it was wonderful. And it ties in nicely with a thing News Talk have been running for the last two weeks, a kind of series of different things across the schedule called The Show Must Go On, celebrating Irish entertainment, the Irish entertainment industry, and live entertainment, and Longing for it to reopen, and and all week there's been promoters, stagehands, managers, performers, reports, interviews, all sorts of things, and on Friday of this week, Pat Kenny, uh, that's Friday the 4th of June, was from Whelan's, uh, a special show from there, and there was live performances broadcast throughout the day uh, on Friday, and also Tom Dunn is rounding it all off tomorrow night, or Sunday night, depending on when you're listening to this show, with a special on his show that's on sunday night the sunday of the bank holiday so the show must go on here on news talk and indeed it will because as i say i was back in the cinemas and it was great now that's and it's going to be busy for the next couple of weeks because there's a whole slew of movies coming that have been held up so there's a bit of a traffic jam but we shall get through it Now that's it we don't forget television and the service netflix and Disney Plus and Amazon did us all through this lockdown. So let's not throw out the baby with the bat water, as happy as I am for the cinemas to be open. Uh, And talking of TV, this week I was watching this.
2: I've been trying to figure out how to pay homage uh, to this man. And then I remembered one of his favorite sayings, the truth is a good fallback position. (laughs) So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fall back on the truth. It was tough being Norman's friend, but for over 50 years, that's what I was. 50 years of him giving me a hard time about the women I dated, the women I married, the divorces I suffered through, the money I lost, money I never had, even the booze I drank. He found fault just about every aspect of my life. Homage, Dad, pay homage. He let me money when I was in trouble, but he never let me forget it.
0: Yes, the wonderful Michael Douglas giving a eulogy for his dear departed friend Norman, his agent. That's the Kaminsky Method. I talked about this last week. I hadn't watched it because it only just dropped. The third and final season of the Kaminsky Method is now available on Netflix. Last week I was telling you it was a wonderful show. You should catch up if you haven't. Michael Douglas playing a somewhat failed actor who now teaches an acting class and his best friend in the world, Alan Arkin, is his agent. And we heard from the trailer and from that clip there that Alan Arkin isn't in the third series, even though in real life he's very much alive, his character dies. So I was very curious and hesitant to know how they were going to fill that void. But for season three, they really have because Kathleen Turner plays one of Michael Douglas's characters, Sandy, one of his many ex-wives, his first ex-wife, and she enters the picture again. And they have a tremendous chemistry in it, like something like War of the Roses all those years ago. So Alan Arkham was missed in this series, but Kathleen Turner picked up the slack and it was a great Six-part, it was short. It was only 6 parts, but it was great. He, Sandy gets a movie role. It, It was just wonderful, everything that happened, and a gorgeous finale. I watched it in about two nights. I wished it was a bit longer, but it was a really nice way to end it. So it is great television, The Kaminsky Method. Watch it if you haven't. It's all now available, all three series on Netflix. And then also on TV, briefly, last week I was, well, every week I've been raving about Mayor of Easttown on Sky, and I was saying last week it's it's the best show of the year, and I can't wait for the finale. Well, the finale happened, folks, and if you've seen it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It was amazing, it had absolutely everything twists, emotion, all you want in a finale. I just thought it was beautiful. the final scene was beyond poignant i just thought it was wonderful in the way you know it tied everything up without tying everything up it was just stupendous so it is the best show of the year uh, without question one of the best shows of many years and you know there's a lesson in this for tv writers you know i was saying last week when i first heard about it kate winslet was going to play this detective in a town in america who's a bit down at heel and there's two girls have gone missing, have disappeared. I thought, okay, that sounds okay, a procedural police drama. But it was so much more than that. And it's because it was so well written and it was so well acted by everyone, not just Kate Winslet, even though she was particularly wonderful in it. But it's a lesson in, you know, you can make great television without reinventing the wheel. You just need a good story and you just need really good actors. And Mayor of Easttown had that and then some. So if I'm sorry if I keep talking about it, but it's over for now. There, mm, possibly another series, but more than likely not. Uh, I'm not sure it needs one. Seven episodes. It is a high, high recommendation for me. Mayor of East Town. Now, opening next week in cinemas, yes, I've waited a long time to say that, is this. I need something to look forward to when I get up in the morning
1: going to breed a racehorse. Hi, and I'm going to play fly half for wheels.
3: It's normally wealthy professionals who so are going for this kind of thing. There's ways of doing these things, isn't there? 20 people in the village put in a tenner a week for two years. <laughs> when the horse is
2: born, everyone will be owners. We'll all have an equal share. <laughs> ha! If you lot are good enough to own a racehorse, so am I. It's a tenner every week.
0: Yes, now that's a clip of Dream Horse, which is in Irish cinemas from the 7th of June. That's Monday coming, and you can go and see it in various cinemas all over the country. And it's about a woman, as well as a horse, a woman called Janet Folks. This is based on a a, a very accurate true story, it seems. She was a former whippet breeder and pigeon fancier back in the days, and she lives in this kind of depressed village in Wales, and she's living, you know, a kind of life now in her middle years that she's not really enjoying that much and she works in a local supermarket and also in a pub and she decides what's going to lift her out of this is that she's going to organize a community syndicate to buy a racehorse and she ropes in the kind of drinkers in her local pub and they come together and as you heard there it's a tenner a week and they call the horse dream alliance and uh i won't tell you what happened but It won some serious races. I mean, it's only a Google way for you to find. Anyway, if you know the story of that, you'll probably always thought that would make a great movie, and it has. Now, Tony Collette plays the aforementioned Janet, and her husband is played by Owen Teal, who many of you will know for always as Sir Alistair Thorne, In Game of Thrones, up there on the Night's Watch He was also Chief Constable Osborne in the police drama Line of Duty Which I not boast about, but I honestly tell you I've never watched But he is a fine, fine Welsh actor who's done all sorts of things Including having won a Tony And as I say, he plays Janet's husband in this Brian is the character's name Who's kind of seen better times He's suffering with arthritis And he's kind of lost his get up and go and I had a chat with Owen about this and a lot more earlier in the week. So, Owen, I read in the production notes, having watched the movie, that the guys watched your audition and, and welled up and Tony Collette got the video and did the same. I, I'm wondering what you did in the audition or can you wow. remember that made people so affected?
1: If you've taken me back now. I've got to re- recall, yes, I did a workshop audition with the director, Iris Lynn, and I loved doing it and his, his direction took me in a, in a, if you see what I mean, you know, I came mm-hmm. in with a, some raw material and what I felt, how I responded to this story and, and this person and, and the relationships around him and it, he's being slightly uh, modest there because I think it was great direction at saying the right thing to me at the right time that made it more and more powerful within that space of about 15, 20 minutes I spent with him, maybe a little longer. And I just remember experiencing that thing that I sometimes feel when I'm acting, which is I really lose sight of making judgments as Owen, you know, I'm actually, Mm. (laughs) I'm there. I'm up, I'm there now. (laughs) I'm in the zone. I'm in the zone. Yeah. Yeah. Good man. Yeah, yeah, it, it,
0: it certainly did. And you know, this, Guy Brian that you're playing, he's a hero mm. of the piece. But when we first meet him, you know he's had some problems in life, arthritis. Mm. He's he's lost his joie de vivre that he once had. Yeah. I presume that spoke to you on some level, because we've yeah. all had that at some stage in our lives, yeah. no matter how successful we've been.
1: Absolutely, you know what a challenge to play him. You know his arthritis, his 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 the marks on his body from when he was a younger, more mm. uh, as you say, when he, he had the mojo and the tattoos or, you know, across his body and his ears, you know, he's got these anchors on his ears and he's yeah. got, he's, he's lost his teeth, whether it's from fighting or whatever it is, <laughs> he doesn't bother to put his teeth in and yet he loves his wife and he expects his wife to love him. And she does. And it's, it's a beautiful special relationship. It's larger than life. You might say it, yeah. it, it's of those proportions. And so I was like, bang, I mean, if I can, do this. Nobody would allow me to invent a character like this. They'd say, oh, that's too much. You've got to take some of the elements (laughs) down, baby. (laughs) (laughs)
0: you know when i was watching it i was reminded a small bit of things like the full monty or brass or even an irish movie like the commitments you know the idea of these working class areas that i don't know industrialization or whatever has kind of ruined and yet there's hope on the horizon through a horse or through music or
1: Mm. through taking
0: off your clothes or whatever did 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 you feel that this was of a tradition maybe in those type of movies? Maybe you didn't.
1: Yeah. I mean, no, I do. I do. Absolutely. I knew when I read it that it's not a complicated movie. But in a way, that makes it more difficult because you can see it coming, you know, and the audience does. And yeah. so it's got to be authentic. They've got to care. You've got to push it so that you do it as real as possible. And and yet you want you want the audience's sympathy, but you must never really ask for it. You have to be honest. Yeah. Tremendous honesty, and I think the film has that in spades.
0: It certainly does. It certainly does. You know, yeah. we don't see a huge amount of Welsh cinema. Uh, and no. That's a shame, of course. There's, there's a lot of countries like that for whatever reason. Is it important for you? I mean, you've done all sorts of things from stage to movies mm. to TV, but is it important for you to occasionally, for want of a better phrase, fly the Welsh flag on screen?
1: Yes, it is. It is. I left Wales to become an actor, You know, Mm. many moons ago, and I didn't have the feeling that if I stayed, I could achieve that. And I think that's very different now. And I'm so pleased at the production that is going on in Wales at the moment and and that why that happened, I don't fully understand. But in a way, I get on with it and I'm glad that I can be part of something that is that is putting Wales into cinemas all over the Mm. world. Um, I'm yeah. immensely proud. I' I'm, you could say guilty of being being proud of it. and because it is an undervalued culture and society, and it has a language of its own as well. And that's a very, very important part of the people. And it's, as you say, it's an industrial heartland that has been left neglected almost, you could say, mm. now that yeah. you know, in the wake of the industrialization, which, but we do have to move on and i'm sure it's a country now of of greater hope of things that that are beyond you know bemoaning the mining industry or bemoaning sure. the steel you know yeah absolutely um, yeah and uh, and this is just a one little story in, in in the heart of this these people where they they for a moment they they regain an identity they or they gain an identity for the first time through this horse yeah. and um i love it
0: so you should Listen, you were in a very small show. People pro- pro- probably have barely even heard of called Game of Thrones. And, <laughs> uh, I'm joking, of course, but I- I've spoken to a few people from that show over the years. And yeah. I remember talking to Liam Cunningham and he mm. said, you know, when he f- when he first got it. His agent was talking about dragons and shadow babies, and he was like, "I'll stop mm. you there. I'm not doing this." And then he read it, mm. and he was blown away. And there was allusions to mm. Beckett and all sorts of stuff. Did you have a similar sense yeah, when you got your hands on the script? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I did. I did. I got it at very short notice. They'd done a uh, a pilot, and I wasn't in that. And then this, mm. you know, they decided to use me for one. You know, and I I needed the job, and I I got on a plane and I got got out to Belfast and. And then I started reading into it and I thought, will this work? Will people, it's so beautifully written and there's Shakespeare in there and there's yeah. the Bible and there's, there's, there's existentialism, you know, with the meaning yeah. of what is all this about, what is life. It's all. And I thought, will the, the you know, your average Joe comes home from work who just says, I just want to <laughs> beer here and watch something entertaining. You know, are they really? I know, I knew it would be geeky and, and kind of cliquey, you know, they would be, people who were really into this but i didn't think it would be mainstream and the other thing is that i don't know if anybody's mentioned this but I'll say quickly that the three lord of the rings films had just finished you know they were at their zenith and i thought maybe that 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 period of fantasy the world of fantasy will has had its day and we're moving on now to the superheroes we're gonna that's what you know it it was at the advent of that so yet again i thought well this probably won't beyond one or two seasons and you know how wrong could i have been it changed absolutely changed television yeah. in the world
0: it certainly really did and then just really quickly can i ask you how bizarre did you feel winning a tony award is it <laughs> one of the most incredible things that ever happened yeah. for a doll's house on broadway it must be a yeah. wonderful experience to win a tony award
1: yes you know i haven't thought about it for a very long time and now you ask me i'm sort of pinching myself going did that really happen <laughs> did, it did. Welsh, I read about it. <laughs> did Rackle Welsh actually say, and the winner is Owen Teal, and you, you're at Radio City Mus- Music Hall, 6,000 people, and somebody puts the award in your hands and you go, <laughs> is this real, you know? I think yeah. that, I found that I found that difficult to believe, whether it's that you feel worthy of it or I don't know, but it, I certainly didn't kind of jump up the next day and say, I'm going to be an enormous star now or anything, you know, if anything, I just got on with my life and, and maybe that's a good thing in in retrospect. You know, it's something that could go to your head. But um it, it I just had a lovely time doing the, the show. It was it was hard work, you know, doing yeah. a Broadway show, eight shows a week. Sure. Big show. But I did it. Yeah. You're right. Thank you for reminding me. I did it. I've got it.
0: Not at all. Not at all. It's in the well, it sounds like If we would more time, you could show me on Zoom. Uh, But listen, it sounds like your feet are very much on the ground. And uh, Dream Horse is a lovely movie and probably one the world needs right now with all the madness. So thanks a lot for talking to me, Owen.
1: Loved it. Loved it. Thank you.
0: Yes, Owen Teal there talking to me about, well, winning a Tony Award in Game of Thrones. And of course, his role in a new movie released on Mondays in cinemas called Dream Horse all about a horse that kind of brings a lot of joy to a town in Wales's life. And uh, it's a lovely movie. It's People will accuse it of being schmalsy. It is, but it's very, very sweet. And and as you heard me say there, it has that feel of like a, a full Monty about it. There's a loveliness to uh, that kind of tale where a community comes together and has hope about something. So uh, I'm giving it a big thumbs up, and I'm certainly giving own Teal A big thumbs up. Hasn't he a lovely voice as well? It's a gorgeous Welsh voice. I wanted to say that to him, but I don't know, you know. I love your voice. Anyway. So that's Dream Horse with Owen Teal and Tony Collette. And also Damien Lewis is in it as well. And very good. He is in it too. All based pretty accurately more or less on a true story. Now, speaking of movies in the cinema, Mark Ryle and I were back in the cinema this week, and you'll hear our review of this week's new releases, including A Quiet Place 2 after the break. Now, you're listening to Screen Time, News Talks, TV, and Movie Show. It's with delight that I tell you we turn to this week's new releases, which are both from Monday available. In cinemas, selected cinemas across the nation, I'm delighted to say. So I'm delighted to be joined for this auspicious occasion by my regular partner in crime, our resident critic, Mark Royal. How are you, Mark?
4: Great, John. How are you?
0: Very good. And I should say, listeners, we were both sitting, you know, close enough to each other at the cinema this week. We were both back.
4: We were back in the cinema. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it Fantastic. was wonderful.
0: There was a giddiness in the room, I felt.
4: yeah, I think it's probably still too soon to have most of the film critics in the country back in the one room. though I think was <laughs> yeah. the, the 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 dangerous levels of hot air circulating around that cinema I think oh. were in, inadvisable.
0: Come, come. I think the giddiness was from the fact that you kept tickling me. But anyway, more of that anon. I should mention we were in the cinema and the two movies we were viewing this week are A Quiet Place 2 and also Land, Robin Wright's directorial debut. So A Quiet Place 2, Mark. A Quiet Place, the original from three or four years ago, was a big success. What did you make of this?
4: 2018, I think, yeah. It's uh, the uh, John Krasinski um. The original Quiet Place, it was it, it did absolute gangbusters at the box office. It was a it was a low budget, um, highly original sci-fi. I think it brought in three hundred and forty million dollars on a minuscule budget of seventeen million. So I suppose this sequel is inevitable. Um And it, John
0: Krasinski, people may not know, he's the guy from The Office.
4: Yeah, and also married to Emily Blunt, who yes. he stars on this. What well, he co- he co wrote the 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 pre the, the original movie. He I think he wrote this himself um the the first movie did a couple of things spectacularly well and one of the things it did really well is that it just didn't do needless exposition at all it was a textbook example of show don't tell movie making Mm -hmm. and in just a couple of very very lean descriptive shots it effortlessly sets up what was happening to who and why and what the rules of this world were so i suppose what is this world and in a nutshell um we have been invaded by alien predators that hunt and kill based on sound. And in A Quiet Place, it was the story of the Abbott family and how they survive in this world. And part two picks up uh, literally minutes after the events of the first movie. So with their home destroyed, Emily Blunt takes what's left of her family and moves on to try and find another quiet, friendly place, which... She does, and this one is a slightly less chintzy steel mill inhabited by Killian Murphy's Emmet, um, and he, he at first he is he's more than a little freaked out and disinclined to help, but of course he comes around eventually.
0: And we should say that Emily Blunt has three children with her. One of whom is her daughter, who's deaf, and that has yeah. a whole lot to do with, you know, the storytelling here because sound is hugely important. And they also have a, a baby, like a, a newborn, a newborn who they're carrying in a box with oxygen. So it's it's hairy.
4: Yes, it's it's not ideal. Not the
0: baby. The baby has a, a modest amount of hair. <laughs>
4: <laughs> the baby isn't hairy yet. No. Um, okay, so I suppose let's start with the positives. Um, this is a it's a it's a very very solid sequel, and it lives up to its predecessor, and it doesn't drop the ball. Um, it also keeps the look and feel of the first movie, and it doesn't try to reinvent the wheel. There's a tendency in sequels to just make everything bigger and louder, and thankfully, Part Two doesn't do that. It it never gets needlessly showy or overblown in the Hollywood blockbuster sense. And the mood and tone is very much in the same mold as the first movie. And that is a very, very good thing. It it really does feel like an organic continuation of the story.
0: And also, didn't you find that because I can't remember where I saw the first one, but did you find that the fact that this had so much to do with sound and Mm. being quiet, that it was actually great to be in a cinema with other people all having to be quiet together. Like this is definitely a movie for the cinema.
4: It is. Yeah. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks back with Sound and Metal, Mm. but there's nothing more um, unsettling you can do than to remove sound completely while you're sitting in a room full of people. Um, And A Quiet Place worked with sound incredibly well. And the sequel does the same thing. It doesn't, I'm really happy to say that it doesn't, fall back on that awful cliche of having a really big, loud jump scare after a long period of, of silence. Mm. It doesn't do that. It just, it works with sound incredibly well.
0: But it is incredibly tense at times. And Absolute. the way these monsters are trying to detect sound and the characters and almost the audience are trying to be really quiet, yeah. it's carried superbly.
4: That's the whole, yeah, the whole movie. I think you can, you can only really pull off that, once, and I had my doubts that part two could match the unbearable levels of tension that the first movie had, but I think it manages just fine. There, the tension is at, at times unbearable. Yeah. Around the midpoint, there's there are two plot lines running concurrently, and they both reach their climax, and the ang- the anxiety is just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I can see there's there's you can I can see Spielberg's DNA all over this I, I suppose specifically the original Jurassic Park and yeah. his War of the Worlds remake it has that that kids in peril element from Jurassic Park and there's a couple of scenes that definitely drink from the same well and there's also this nice um pre-credits prologue that is set on day one of the event if you like that's very very um reminiscent of spielberg's war of the worlds and then of course as things develop there is that war of the worlds thing going on um the uh, also the two the 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 two the kids the, the problem with having a young cast is that they grow really quick and I was really amazed at how little the two actors who played the brother and the sister, um, Millicent Simmons and Noah Dupe, yeah. how much they had grown since the first movie. But then, of course, I remember that this has been sitting on the shelf since March of 2020. And mm-hmm. I think the, prem- the premiere was actually held in New York. And that was one of the last things that happened in, in March of that year before everything got mothballed. I think they're going to have a problem if they continue. I think they might have to jump a few years ahead.
0: Mm. now so you did you've listed all the positives and you said that so i'm sensing you found some negatives in this
4: very few i think in terms of what didn't work so well i think the first movie used the the creatures more sparingly these these things whatever whatever these things are and their presence was felt but they were hardly seen for most of the movie and i suppose if you go back to jaws and bruce the shark it's better not to be overused Mm -hmm. and In this sequel, they're they're used a lot more generously and I think to a lesser effect. Um, While we're just dwelling on the negatives, I think Emily Blunt is slightly sidelined a bit at the expense of the two kids and Killian Murphy. And also there's this slight sense of, I've seen this before and that gets stronger as the film reaches its climax
0: well i tell you just to unpack what you're saying there i thought killian murphy was great in it uh, as kind of a guy who's haunted by the world he finds himself in and the loss he suffered and the only negative i found really was that it was so similar to really the first one uh but that doesn't matter really because it was wildly entertaining on yeah. the whole, and the thing about the monsters, I I get what you're saying. There was more of them, but I did like the way they came on screen because quite tellingly, you heard them before you saw them. They like mm. banged off something, and suddenly they were there. I thought that was, I thought or that was really somebody well
4: done. opens a packet of crisps and then they show up.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so all in all, you did find this very entertaining.
4: Absolutely, yeah. It, it's it's it really does. It works.
0: Yeah, and it was as as I said earlier, and I think Mark agrees. It's definitely one for the cinema, and we weren't paid to be. The, well, I suppose I technically was, but you know what I mean. I don't have to say that. It definitely belongs in the cinema. I'm not suggesting Paramount were paying me. I meant it's my job to go. But anyway, before I get down a rabbit hole of who pays who, what would you say stars wise? Somebody's Mark?
4: paying you. Um, I'm going to give it a four. It's it's very very solid.
0: Great, well I completely agree with you I'm going to give it a 4 as well That's A Quiet Place too. I'm not going to play a clip Because it's very much a Visual and audio movie But a lot of the audio is quiet, if you know what I mean And that's not a paradox, I hope Maybe it is, who cares, A Quiet Place too. You should go and see it in the cinema When it lands, this Monday Movie's opening on the Monday All over the country So Mark, the other movie that's also in cinemas This week is Land mm-hmm. Robin, a very different movie to a Quiet place too, but it's Robin Wright's directorial debut. She so also stars in it as mm. well. What's going on
4: here? It's um, it's I suppose it's, it's a survivalist drama. It's very much in the same vein as Sean Penn's Into the Wild, or Reese Witherspoon had a movie called Wild back yeah. in twenty fourteen. Yeah. So uh, along that that line, um, Wright plays a character called um, Eddie, who has suffered an enormous emotional trauma. And Land begins with Eddie telling her therapist that she doesn't want to share her pain at all. And I suppose just like Greta Garbo in Grand Hotel, she just wants to be left alone. Uh, she buys an extremely remote log cabin on the side of a mountain in Wyoming. And she dumps her phone and gets rid of her car and she tries to shut herself off from the world. But the question is, what is her end game, Or does she even have one? And at first, it doesn't seem like she's planning on starving herself to death in the wilderness. But it becomes apparent very quickly that she hasn't put a lot of forward planning into her new life. Or at the very least, she's severely underestimated how unforgiving the wilds of Wyoming can be. I suppose I don't really want to delve too much into it because it kind of pivots at around the halfway point And I don't want to ruin it for people.
0: No, sure. Uh, you could say the tone of a change is halfway and there may be a chink of light. Uh, yeah. let, let, let's say something like that, that it's not an entire downer. Uh, what I thought worked really well is that she, you know, they, this ideal she has about being left alone and moving into the woods, like those movies that you mentioned talk about and then the reality is always never what it seems but they really painted this and you know nature being red and tooth and claw like it's yeah. horrific how hungry and cold and destitute she becomes i thought that was because at one point you have wyoming and the rockies looking absolutely beautiful and then at other times it's like hell on earth i thought they did that really well
4: yeah yeah it's a, it's a gorgeous looking movie and mm. you know although the landscape is is breathtaking um it never loses sight of just how dangerous it is um yeah there is like as as we said there's a it's kind of there's a pivot around the halfway point and it does become a lot lighter and maybe not hopeful but i suppose less pessimistic yeah Um, it is a really really gentle unassuming movie and there are odd flashes of high drama but they're few and far between and the mood in general is quite pensive and there's long stretches without any dialogue at all um ha- however i'm not saying that this is a an artist, uh andre Tarkovsky slices slow cinema there's something happening all the time it's just that it there is not much dialogue but um I, as well as that i think it's it's very well paced it's a very very lean ninety minutes and it mm. doesn't overstay its welcome.
0: And we have to say as well, I don't know how you feel about it, but I certainly thought I thought Robin White was great as a woman who's or as an actress who's, you know, in essence, carrying the whole movie more or less by herself. I thought she was on point the whole way through.
4: She is. Yeah, yeah. Um, She's uh, she's excellent. It goes without saying that she's she's tremendous and everything. But yeah, I mean, she's she's picked well. There, there is a long uh, standing tradition of actors moving behind the camera and it hasn't really worked out so well for many but i think she no, she she really she, she's um she's she's pulled this one off it kind of it stays on just the right side of sentimentality and at one point it kind of looks like it might fall into that that narrative trap of big man saves silly woman but it it, it sidesteps that and it, it becomes something else so yeah it's it's a nice kind of quiet unassuming movie
0: yeah no I agree with you and I know we're not describing it too much but we really don't want to give away how it changes gear and it's as only a, as long a as you're not
4: expecting a, a romantic comedy and you approach this <laughs> you know expecting that it's it's quite slow I think you, you'll enjoy it
0: yeah, it's not Eat, Pray, Love or on the and Son or anything like that. In fact, it's kind of the antithesis of those movies. Not that I'm slagging off those movies. There are many movies in my father's mansion, as I often say. My father didn't have a mansion, but you know what I mean. So listen, uh, we, we both gave it the thumbs up then. What would you say stars-wise?
4: Um, I'm going to give it a three. What do you think? Okay,
0: I'm going to give it a three and a half because uh, I kind of really liked it in the fullness yeah. of it. I thought Robin White was great. I liked where it went. And I think your point is well made about it stays the right side of not being sentimental. And I thought yeah. it slowly revealed her trauma in a very clever way. So I'm going to give it three and a half. That's Land, which will be available in cinema, folks, from Monday the 7th of June. Mark, lovely to be back in a cinema with you again. Thank you.
4: Thank you, John. Talk to you next week.
0: Mark Ryle and I are there discussing a quiet place to and land. Two fine movies to go and see in the cinema in this coming week. Up next, Alan Short on his favorite movie. Screen time on News Talk. Now you're listening to Screen Time News Talks TV and movie show. It's that stage of the week where we talk to someone well known about their favorite movie. And I'm delighted to say I'm joined in studio now which hasn't happened in a while, by a renaissance man, media consultant. He used to be a comedian, he's been an actor, he's done all sorts of things. Alan Short, how are you?
3: Good morning, afternoon, good evening. I don't know what it is anymore, it's just good to be out, it's so fantastic. It's nice I'm saying to have you my, my new, In my new role at the moment, being everything virtual, I say good global. Good global to you Lovely. because you've no idea where anybody is anymore.
0: Well stay tuned folks, he's going to be full of those pithy little phrases for the next 10 minutes or so. So... Your favourite movie what you've opted for is an unusual choice one of now over to you your favourite movie as I asked you to pick you've gone for what exactly?
3: My Octopus Teacher I hear them go your what? Yes my Octopus well, Teacher Well I'm going to
0: interrupt for one second to say regular listeners to this show will know I spoke to the director of that movie about three months ago and it won best uh, documentary at the Oscars so my very cine literate audience will know a tiny bit about it but let's assume that they don't
3: and the reason I'm picking this is because when you ask me like your your, your movie of all time it's very difficult to do an all time movie because we keep changing your your tastes keep changing your, your go, oh my god look at that cinematography keeps changing production yep. values keep changing everything it's like watching I mean I love the action movies and how they make it and how they do it and everything else and the way the new CGI's come to mm-hmm. Up to speed and everything else, and then there was this. So I was said, let's pick something of the moment, something of recent time, something that's made an impact in my viewing in a moment of uh, that. My Oxford teacher kind of fell onto net, Netflix, kind of quietly, unannounced. It's yeah. one of those moments when you're doing the you no. Know, no, know, flicking yeah. away, going, you spend more time flicking than you do watching with Netflix and all the other streaming services. Yeah. And this was one of those ones that, you know, when you put it on first, they're, they're showing you something. I think you might like this. Yeah, and yeah. you're going, oh, look. And at the time, uh, so it was kind of October, November. We've been in lockdown in Dublin since October. We, we never got out of lockdown, ever. Mm. When we got out of lockdown during the summer, uh, we all went away. And then yeah. we came back with lockdown again. So I was just dreaming of sunshine and beaches. So I was watching I was watching anything on television that had sunshine and beaches and and views. And there was this uh, a, a photograph of this man about to get into the sea and I went, Oh look. Beaches, man. sea, mm. let's put it on. So my Oxford teacher is, it's is it a movie? It is a movie in my mind because it's it's a story. There's a story, even though it seems going to be a documentary. Tell people
0: what the story is.
3: So story is Craig Foster. He's a guy who basically uh, just kind of got burnt out in work. Uh, sitting at home not getting on with his family not getting on with his wife his kids or anything else but he lives in this most beautiful place in Cape Town in mm. South Africa where he walks 100 metres and he's into the sea into the sea forest of kelp uh, That they, that is in, in South Africa they call it the underwater sea forest I think they're very mm. very proud of it and he decided for a full year to go free diving every day and I love swimming, I love being on the sea, I love being in the sea, I love being under the sea. And so this kind of just literally, I got just completely hooked into this piece of imagery as it went on. So it's he narrates it and it's basically about him finding this octopus and befriending this octopus for this term of time over 18 months.
0: Well, I'm really glad you chose it because I watched it because someone... Offered an interview to me and they said it's a documentary about this man and an octopus. And it sounded like a Disney movie to yeah. me, but it was nominated for Best Oscar for Documentary. So I thought, oh, I'll do that. And I watched it and I couldn't get over it because it's a man. And we won't give spoilers, but he befriends an octopus. It's incredible
3: it's even how the relationship begins and I suppose from my mind again back to what I said earlier I was looking to going how do they how do they make this how is this made mm. so and knowing that obviously he went off on himself at the start with his own camera and there's shots you can see where he just placed his camera on a rock under the sea now remember here's the point which I found fascinating he's free diving so yeah. for anybody who doesn't understand what free diving is basically there is no oxygen tank There is no, you're holding your breath yeah. and he's going with his flippers down maybe about the sea kelp forest maybe 10 metres max I suppose so it's kind of quite shallow water but Still down there holding his breath for more than a minute, two minutes to get any type of shots and to have yeah. any bit of relationship with the octopus yeah. such and lie there, yeah so that alone was fascinating and yeah. what was what made it so brilliant was because in your free diving there's no bubbles right, so when yes. there's no bubbles you don 't frighten away the fish you don 't frighten away anybody you 're just amongst them you're amongst mm. you're amongst the the environment, mm. so he befriends this octopus, and we go through this whole journey of the life of an octopus, the the uh, the, the hyper intelligence of the octopus, mm. though its curiosity of its surroundings, its curiosity of how it camouflages itself, itself where it lives, yeah. uh, how it just how it how it frightens how it escapes attacks from sharks mm-hmm. or maybe not, whichever the case may be. It's just and and then the way that it befriends Greg. Yeah. I mean. It, it, it's uh you know they, they kind of they say shake hands how can you shake hands an octopus it's kind of hard really but it's I, I, I'll put it this way I remember years and years ago uh, uh, f- deep sea fishing down in West Cork and we caught an octopus by mistake so ultimately the octopus just wrapped itself around the fish that we were pulling up into the boat octopus comes up in the boat and then you were able to pick up the octopus and, and put him on your on your coat mm. and your your, your your jumper or whatever and it just crawls up Says hello, and it's his most curious, and it uses yeah. tentacles to feel, touch, whatever the case may be. Fascinating creature.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of. Moving and profound because it's almost like the Sistine Chapel finger when they like. There's a moment where they not again not to give a spoiler, but where he touches the octopus and they have an actual tactile relationship.
3: Correct it's, from there from there on in. That's once that little because remember he's he's on there with his mask on. Yeah. So it's all a bit weird for of course weird for the octopus is weird for everybody. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, yeah, I don't yeah. know what, what an octopus thinks, but what we do know is that it it ha- it plays it plays it it does everything it does everything we do, but it. It was just every day, what I couldn't get over, every day he went in there. Every Mm. single day. And he found the octopus or the octopus found him. And then the whole, then they had to create a story because it never never began as anything. Mm. It just began with his own journey, personal journey, trying to get over his his part of his life, his midlife crisis ultimately. And then they began to realise we have a story, we can make a story yeah. out of this. And that's what I love because I mean where I am now in my in my career, in my life, is is teaching people how to tell stories. Let's get to that in a second. Right. And that's why I focus in and going, how are they going to make a story out of this? Yeah. And they well, made a beautiful story. They made
0: a beautiful story and it's a wonderful choice. And I'm delighted you chose that. And for people who don't know, it is on Netflix still, My Octopus Teacher, a profound movie and a glorious movie. And the favorite movie of Alan Short
3: And as my son said Really that's a bit weird dad Isn't it Isn't it weird yeah. Trust me You might think Anybody who's listening Think yeah. oh god That sounds no, very odd Give yourself time Don't judge mm-hmm. Don't think Just be yeah. Put it on privately on your own and just watch it and sit there. Because I sat there just to look at some sunshine and see at half eleven at night, one night, and dark night, screaming. For, and at half one in the morning, I was still there going, yeah My God.
0: It's transfixing, isn't it? I just couldn't, look, yeah. I could not turn it off. Well, that is brilliantly described. So thank you for that. Thank you. Now, I want to talk to you about you briefly. Because, you know, I I, I was describing you earlier and I said a comedian. But you're not really a comedian anymore. You're on TV. I remember you on the panel. Uh, Bull Island, Hulls, victoria Pictorial, all sorts of yes. things. And now you're, what exactly? Because you're still around <laughs> all the time. I saw you at the Pendulum Summit a few yeah. years ago. What What is it Alan Short does now?
3: Alan Short is now a communications coach and professional MC. Okay. That's ultimately what it is. About. Good night, Vienna. Good night, Vienna, because people like having people in boxes, mm-hmm. which is what I always find really difficult to deal with because people have so much more to offer because mm-hmm. we learn so much from different parts of our career. I've always kind of known a long time ago that the future of work is many, many careers. Is, and, and careers yeah. is probably the wrong word. It's many, many jobs, many, mm. many experiences, many, many learnings, and taking a learning from the last bit into the next bit. Yeah. And trying to help people who are ultimately institutionalized if they've been in the same job for 40 years. they And it's very easy. And there's nothing wrong with being institutionalized. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just you become comfortable and you mm. become safe inside of in that. So my life has been totally unsafe and mm-hmm. never. So I began. I began my life as a. I went. Uh, finished. I did my Leaving Cert twice because uh, I loved it so much uh, learned, <laughs> and my best part of league was learning how to type right in the back of the <laughs> secondary class in the old typewriter bang 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 that's the best thing I load, that I'd be writing scripts and writing stuff mm. in future and that skill stayed with me from there went and uh, tried to, uh, an aptitude test to get into the bank failed miserably 22% went into cert became a qualified barman worked in that industry for a little bit bought, got a book got a book called How to Pass Your IQ Test worked that out, went back to the IQ test, got 98% and then got into the bank. So I started working in the bank for a while, then for the bank, went into media, into RTE, and from RTE into various other places and then became all that learning coming along, became a comedian which is the most difficult job mm-hmm. in the world and I think that's what really, that whole dealing with fear, dealing with audiences and but then uh, it came to a point where uh, how do you do that? How does that work? How does that work in the brain? How does the mm-hmm. neuroscience of the brain communicate and how does it deal with fear? How does it deal with criticism? How does it deal with everything else? So then I went away and started to research all that and that's where it came into now teaching my learnings to people, coaching them uh, communication coaching ultimately how to be a presenter How because everyone needs to be in mini TV presenter now with Zoom and everything yeah. else and now they also have to be in studio presenters if they're doing their own conferences yeah. in little mini studios somewhere yeah. they have to be that as well and how to teach them how to do that to the best of their ability for that moment and okay. how to face that fear and make them understand what's happening in their communication brain
0: and so you say you know maybe you're ahead of the curve and that you see your life your working life is one has different careers so do you think that's you know my children's generation that there's much less of a job for life now the way you've done we're all going to inhabit different careers in a way we didn't traditionally
3: absolutely i think the you own because there's going to be so much change we are now in we're in a, uh, we're in the next the next 10 years is going to be the most change we'll, we'll ever face in any one time because of technology i think technology is going to just Really rip everything apart. Mm. We're keeping your, we're kind of keep putting your hand on the on the dam of it, but it's going to just change everybody's life because the work as we used to know it is not available Every robots are building stuff now mm. they make cars they make everything else so what are people going to do so what are people going to do they're going to think we're going to go back to where we started it's about thinking it's about we spend very little time along ourselves to sit as I call it you know like the old ad we you kind of tap the rub the belly and tap the head that type of thing whatever that a thinking moment basically yeah. sit back think and be curious Yeah. so what I've noticed a lot at the moment is, is an issue of confidence. People's confidence is very low. Their confidence in themselves, their confidence mm-hmm. to speak, their confidence to do anything, right? And coming out of the pandemic, social anxiety is going to be a huge problem. People got very comfortable sitting at home yeah. in their own little space, doing their own little thing. And, you know, not being judged too much. They judge themselves on the camera when they come and go, God, come here. Oh, jeez, look at that. <laughs> so they turn the camera off and they're comfortable with them with that. So there's a confidence issue. So what I've I've created the confidence formula. I decided one day I would do make it into a mathematical formula. So what it is is C plus K multiplied by P quadrupled minus A equals C squared. Ultimately says John Look at me going What is he talking about Yeah He's talking about C is curiosity That's the yeah. key to everything Curiosity That people need to start asking more questions Understanding the why Understanding the how And the more you allow your brain In other words Start to understand your own brain When you understand the brain And how the why the where Then you increase your knowledge mm-hmm. When you have more knowledge That's where you start to begin to feel confident mm-hmm. A lot of people will Their confidence issue Lies with the fact I'm not sure I'm sure everybody else knows more than me So I won't say a word They don't mm-hmm. You know everything you know They know everything they know But it might not be the same As what you know So it's about Getting yourself more knowledge And then the four P's Basically is your personality Person, people, We don't spend enough time Talking about personality What is my personality What What is personality Personality Your performance Practice 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 and preparation And then present As in presenting And being in the present Mindfulness, fascinating, and minus I'm, anxiety equals double the confidence. There you go. Minus anxiety. Yes, double that'll lessen all your anxiety. Okay, well, that's where we. That's where you. That's where we. We sit in our fear of a mm-hmm. fear, of which is anxiety. I,
0: I've heard worse uh, formulas for yep. life. I have to say. Well, listen, we're kind of out of time. If people want to find out more about you quickly, where mm-hmm. would
3: they go? Uh, mediaskills.ie Mediaskills.ie me. Alan Well, Short communications coach look it up Google me I'm, I think I own my first 10 my first 10 hits is on <laughs>
0: okay wonderful well he, he described himself as a former comedian I, I think it's still in there as well
3: but it's taking the knowledge of your previous life and bringing it absolutely,
0: absolutely but he is an MC for hire a media consultant you can find out more at Mediaskills.ie his favourite movie after all that at the moment let's say yes. as of today is My Octopus Teacher now available on Netflix Alan Shore, thank you so much.
4: Thank you. It's a hard thing to explain, but sometimes you just get a feeling and you know there's something with this creature that's very unusual. There's something to learn here. I had to have a radical change in my life, and the only way I knew to do it was to be in this ocean with her.
2: And then I had this crazy idea What happens if I just went every day?
0: A clip there from My Octopus Teacher as chosen by Alan Short as his favourite movie. Certainly at the moment am I thanks to Alan Short. That is it for this week. Thanks to Anne-Marie Cain who helped out on the show. Busy show again next week. Uh, We are talking to Rhys Shearsmith. He of League of Gentlemen fame. He's a new movie called In the Earth. We'll also be talking to the director of the new Phil Linnett documentary songs for a while I'm away so very much looking forward to that I'll just remind you before I go that this show is available as a podcast every Friday at Newstalk.com, the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud and it's on the radio every Saturday at 6pm right here on Newstalk. You can get in touch with me at any stage during the week, John underscore Fardy is my Twitter handle or you can email me, screentime at Newstalk.com. Have a good week, stay safe, take care and talk to you all next week.